Here with me for this episode is Lilith Christensen, Chief Strategy and Product Officer of Silk Road. Welcome, Lilith. Thanks, Brent. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for agreeing to this. You know, just the other day, uh, you and I, we had a great discussion. We discussed a lot. I think we touched on work from home, what it's going to be like as we all emerge from the COVID fog, if you will, uh, the employee experience, um, how it breaks through barriers of conventional silos and talent management. Lots of interesting stuff there. Um, and we had this crazy, crazy idea after our discussion last time that this might actually be worth uh, putting up on an episode of HR Tech Chat. So here we are. Um, and, uh, you know, let's let's see if we can recreate some magic here. Um, I know that we, why don't we start with, uh, with with COVID and how that has affected HCM the, in terms of, you know, HCM leaders and what they're having to deal with and how technology vendors can help them with that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, every organization went through such a dramatic change last year with COVID. And, you know, I feel like we we started the beginning of the year anticipating change and thinking that it was going to be driven by AI and changes in the way that work happened and was going to be maybe more technology driven. And then here we had this virus come in that turned the whole world on its head. Um, and I think many look back now and think, you know, I hate to use the like overused phrases, but it really is true. Like the three years of transformation happened in months instead, right? Um, and seeing the way that um, HR leaders and their colleagues in the C-suite really were able to come together and react um, to that. You know, I think most didn't anticipate it, um, but being able to change the way that um, they supported their employees and um, move to more remote models and being able to enable a digital way of working. Um, I think the piece that I, you know, I guess have, have found to be maybe the most positive element of it was really the focus on the employee experience. And that I feel like that's something that we've been talking about for years now, or you hear companies say employees are our most valued asset, but yet what were they really doing to demonstrate that? And I feel like that's something that really um, came out and you see um, and have heard stories of so many organizations that really that's what they started focusing on were their people, how to keep them safe. Yes, how to keep the business running and how to serve clients, but, but really the people came first in terms of getting them what they needed, making sure people were, you know, felt safe and, and we're all dealing with very different circumstances and children at home or sick family members and trying to work at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I liken it to uh, an HR fire drill I mean, it was just a meet, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a a practice run. It was a real fire. <laughs> it was a it was a fire alarm, not a drill. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> and and it forced organizations to to actually think through and execute on their rhetoric around employee experience and caring about their employees first and all about their people and culture and all of that. And and it also, uh, frankly. Um, I think stressed a lot of those 
a lot of those intents versus out their intent versus their the outcomes, which is really interesting. The three year you, you mentioned a minute ago, just not wanting to use cliches or overused terms and whatever, but 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 I think these cliches and overused terms are really designed for a COVID moment, <laughs> right? And so so you know I'm. I'm that's fine. And, you know, I would use another overused term or one that's, uh, I mean, I think we saw an actual paradigm shift. You know, some of you talk about paradigm shifts all the time. Well, was that really, this really was a paradigm shift. You think about COVID as 2020 was really a wormhole and we're so much closer to the future of work now than we were, than we thought we would have been just a year ago, right? We would have thought, oh, it'll just be a year. We'll just be a year closer to, to the future of work. We're actually 10 years closer to the COVID, uh, future of work. Now, you mentioned something that was, now it's coming back to me from our from our previous conversation that was super interesting uh, because you guys, you guys at Silk Road are really looking at this, I think, really intelligently and thinking about it in terms of, okay, COVID is sort of the, the mother of all emergencies, right? Um, and I think you looked at um, at some of your users or some uh, other users where you wanted to see if there was any correlation between companies that had a robust emergency plan in place for 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 HCM in general. C could you just maybe elaborate on that a little bit? Sure, sure. What we were um, thinking about was reflecting on our own experiences and where we have offices and how we reacted as well as those of our clients that um, a, a hypothesis, I guess, really that organizations that were located in places that had contingency plans in place for um, say, environmental driven um, emergencies, hurricanes, floods, you know, um, gosh, we've had tons of fires and things like that these days too, but, um, but organizations that were located in places like that, say the Gulf Coast of the United States, you know, that they had to have in place a plan should a hurricane come in, what's going to be our backup plan? What is our continuity of operations in order to ensure our people are taken care of and our clients are as well? And um, when we were putting in place some of our own procedures and thinking about how we could support our clients best, that's something that we relied on ourselves, um, having locations in those areas that there was an ability to just enact it. You know, we had already gone through the process and documenting what needed to happen when, um, and then even leveraging our own technology to enable that process. And so that's what we saw with some of our clients as well, located in areas like that, that they'd already kind of done some of the hard work maybe for a different reason, but we're able to rely on that as a starting point or even you know something that got them halfway or more to where they needed to be to support people working um, from home, different locations, and have that continuity of, of operations uh, still um, in place and working. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense. And it, it could be that this 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 entire episode, extended year-long episode has has taught us maybe that that we all need to have 
contingency plan in place as organizations, not just if we're in, you know, the Florida panhandle for hurricanes or, you know, Northern California for, for forest fires or something like this, that maybe that'll be one of the outcomes. This reminds me of, <clears throat> of a user that we were speaking with uh, at 360 Insights just a couple of months ago um, where she was coming in as, I think, chief people officer or chief culture officer. Um, and it was right in early, it was in early March of last year and she was hired <clears throat> and she came on and uh, immediately she became, um, I think, director or vice president of, uh, of uh, corporate in, uh, internal communications for, for the firm. Like they just needed her to be that yeah. right away. What is, you know, and what are some of the um, the ways I think that I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on this? What are some of the ways that that communication, you know, the 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 the, the, um, the you know, like the role of communications in the organization can can work better or actually cross train, like actually, you know, sort of um, concrete examples with with HCM because it seems to be such a a natural fit, but they're but they're separate silos. Yeah, that's interesting, Brent. And I, um, you know, I can feel for the woman coming into this new role, you know, being ready to lead the people part of the business and the culture and just the the basic, I mean, almost when you think about it, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? That the culture and those pieces are kind of that higher point in the pyramid, but that communication and just making sure basic needs were met and how are we communicating that out to our people and there's it's no surprise that that's how her role um, shifted as a result of that and I think um, you know communication is so critical in in supporting any type of change and I what what I have seen in my experience is that um, organizations that often have the best cultures that their employees are highly engaged that I actually do see the HR and the communications piece being um, highly integrated um, that it really is something that they're if not one in the same you know really teamed up um, you know, at the hip in order to um, not only make the decisions that are required for people and culture, but also communicate it in a really effective way. And keeping in mind, you know, the people absorb information in different ways. We need to hear it multiple times in order to really believe it. There's a big barrier to change just as individuals. You know, even if you just look at inertia, you know, you it's, yeah. it's harder to get moving and get going. So to have a strategic partner on the communication side that can think of what are the different messages that we need to hit, what are the different communication vehicles that we can utilize, how often do we need to reinforce these same messages, I think um, is is really critical. And probably those organizations that, you know, as as companies are reflecting now on how they did, um, I, I bet it's an easy bet that those that really focus on the communications part of it um, are going to be seen as having fared better on from their employees. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet to make too. I, I totally agree with you. And I'd be really surprised if the companies that ended up that ended up um, sort of merging corporate communication, internal communication with HR, 
those where where they worked more closely together by necessity because of this this whole episode. I'd be very surprised that they would walk that back and then go back to separate silos. It just seems like once you come together like that, you're not going to, you know, split afterward. It just seems that, that makes sense. Yeah. One, one thing I was thinking of even further on that is the importance of um, not just cascading down the communication and the message, but the skills associated with it. Yes. I think that was probably a big shift that was required for a lot of people as managers to now, not only did they have to get used to this, like I'm managing someone, but I'm not going to see them every day. And when you're used to being able to wander by someone's desk and, and that was the way you could check in on them and see how things were going or you bump into each other in the um you know the the cafe or the the lunchroom in your office that all of those opportunities for um more organic communication went away and i think there was a, a real need on the part of organizations to support their managers and helping them to now um have more structured conversations because that was the only way to do it or, or add structure in the form of regularly having one one-on-ones and helping to coach managers around well what should you talk about and in fact it's okay to spend the first 10 minutes just talking how's it going how are your kids how's your family you know how are you coping with this and, and um i think that was a real another win i guess in the at the end of the day um that organizations when they focused on communication really needed to help enable the managers in a way that that they could not only carry on the message but also um, elevate their communication skills um, to support their teams yeah, because not just one-to-many communication of, you know, corporate to the entire workforce, but it's also that peer-to-peer -peer manager to individual employee um, or within a, uh, a meeting uh, context um, communication. Absolutely. And that needs to be facilitated and as smooth as possible. You know, a couple things. So first off, this reminds me of something that um, uh, we, had to, we were having a discussion the other day um with uh with another uh a person and the idea came up that you know that some of this community so there's a fine line some of this technology can be that's facilitating that makes work from home possible right uh, some of it can be unintentionally it can unintentionally facilitate uh interruptions unwanted interruptions in the day you know and what's the difference between being interrupt say you're in your cubicle and uh, your coworker is walking down the hallway and pokes their head in, and maybe you're focusing on some PowerPoint and breaks your press, your uh, concentration. Now you've lost probably about 45 minutes worth of productivity until you can get back into the zone in terms of your focus. Uh, it's not that you necessarily are not welcoming that person saying hello and having a quick chat, but there's there's an analog there with with a say chat technology, right? Where someone yeah. might send you, a, I mean, this, and this is old, right? This email, right? Email can be just as intrusive, but it just occurred to, and there's one other thing I wanna to get to after this specifically that's unrelated, but but I'm, I'm very curious what your thoughts are that, uh, from, a, from a product standpoint, you know, product design. 
Uh, what are some ideas that that maybe you folks are thinking about around how can our technology be, be as helpful as possible and also as non-intrusive as possible? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think finding what that sweet spot or balances between them is is going to be absolutely critical, um, not only for us, but for any um, technology that's getting developed and being rolled out. Um, and I think about myself, you know, the reminding myself to put on do not disturb um, yeah. <laughs> so that I so that the chats don't pop up so that I can focus on say our conversation today right um, or or when you're engaging with folks that you actually just totally shut down email so that you don't have those pop-ups that can distract like that one <laughs> <laughs> I just heard how appropriate <laughs> <laughs> right obviously I didn't you put can't script these. On do not disturb and in fact I'll take this moment and do that right now so we don't hear any more. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, that, it was as if we timed it, I think, um, or planned it that way. Um, so for us, when it comes to, you know, what are we thinking about to to strike that right balance? I do think it's around um, being integrated with the work tools that um, people are using on a regular basis. So whether that means um, being able to engage um, with learning, you know, while you're in the middle of of a project and you encounter something that you um, maybe don't know quite where to go next or the answer to something, just like people might go to Google quickly and do that to search to inform um, their knowledge base in order to kind of move forward on something that, that we can do that same kind of thing when it comes to learning um, and being able to, to access a variety of data and information that can be accessed at the moment in time where someone just needs it, um, you know, that just-in-time piece. Um, so that's one aspect that we're looking at. Um, another one is kind of ties to what we talked about a few minutes ago around the manager piece. Um, and and this one's very important to me is thinking about how can we really enable the managers in a more effective way that we're equipping them with um, prompts to engage with their staff at the right moment in time. So whether that's a notification that they're getting via email or that they're getting via text or through a chat that um, it's equipping those managers not only with the reminder to have a conversation, but what are the top three things they should cover in that conversation with their team? Um, I think that's like, like a sorry to interrupt, but that, that, that's super interesting. Almost like a brief, right? Because yeah. these people are super busy. You know, if that's you're preparing like a, if you're preparing a CEO for a interview, an interview with the news media, you provide them with a, uh, a quick fact like easy to easy to digest um, uh, collection of information that they can look at super quick and be ready for that in the moment because they don't have time to really study because uh, everything's coming at them like a fire hose. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think managers are always well-intended around how they're going to support their teams and help them grow and develop, but they are also busy in their own work as well. So a lot of times those intentions don't match, match up with their actions. So I think that is a real opportunity um, to support managers better through technology, giving them those briefs, like you said, that, that gives them what they need when they need it. They're going to have a one-on-one -on -one today with a new hire. What should they cover today versus a one-on-one -on -one 
with a 15 year vet in the organization. You know, those are going to be different conversations that require different types of prompts. Is AI part of that? Do you think AI plays a role in that? Yeah, I definitely think it does. It, and that is a piece that we're um, further exploring, particularly for our innovation. I mean, it, it might not be just two or three months down the road. It might take a little longer to pull that piece. Sure. Yeah. Um, where where I envision the AI helping with it would be even um, taking a look at the, the work that individuals are doing or um, the uh, collaboration that they're having on the business platforms yeah. and using those to potentially identify patterns of where um, someone's asking for the same type of questions or the same type of information is coming up from different pockets of the organization and being able to utilize AI to say, oh, you know, we have an opportunity here. Three people have asked about communication skills in the last week. Maybe there's a real need here for that. And then being able to push something out to the managers. Um, to or the LMS, for instance. You know, yeah, through the okay. LMS that says, you know, we've got this 10 minute course on um, communication skills. This might be good for you or something like that. So, so that's where I see the AI piece coming in is being able to identify needs and then propose <clears throat> solutions to it and even deliver that you know, then through the technology um, you know, to, to the users, whether they're employees or managers or, or others in the organization. That's super interesting. So just kind of you have my mind. Um racing here a little bit because you think about you think about curation like curation has become sort of um it now it's it's baked into into the best lms uh solutions with their yeah. with the content that they draw on right uh there's a curation and this and it's the curation is is a um is informed by an accumulation of of data from each individual user so it knows what to curate for each user but um, this is kind of like that but you're talking about sort of an in the moment real time yeah uh, i yeah the, the the identification of of a need in real time it's almost like it's kind of like curation like a one-time one-shot curation and it yep. pushes it out to um, those folks and maybe others. And you're also talking, you're really, you're also talking about NLP in a way, right? There's because that natural language processing is Absolutely. is applied to that, um, you know, company wide. It, so here we have, you know, a perfect example of where where a you know collaborative communication technology that for all for the entire workforce. And there's an AI or an NLP engine or whatever you want to call it that's that's paying attention to that from the from the maybe it's a point solution HCM um, uh, application and yeah this when you think about all the different possibilities um, in the future of work it's 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 fascinating. One thing I want to get back to um, uh, in the time we have left here is onboarding. Because uh, we had an interesting, we had an interesting discussion last time around, you know that, and I and I want to give you an opportunity to to really kind of paint this picture, but but just to set it up here, this idea that onboarding isn't just for new hires, it doesn't just happen at you know at the edge of the organization when the person is first coming in. It's it's a it's a, it's an ongoing thing. If you want to elaborate on that, I thought and how it fits in with work from home and, sure. and all of this new normal. 
Um, well, thanks for teeing that up, Brent. I mean, I obviously love to talk about it and it goes back from when we published the book, which I can't believe is already like 11 years ago now. Um, and when, you know, the term onboarding is, I, I feel like a misnomer. It'd, it'd be nice if we could go back in time and like try to harness that to come up with a better term, because I think it is often considered to be just what you said. You think about just onboarding someone for the first time they're joining the organization and that's it. But really to do it effectively, onboarding is so much more than that. It, it is an experience that supports someone entering into something new. And yes, that applies when you're a new hire into the organization and it's getting the paperwork done so they can get paid on time and, and they get cleared for work, but it's also introducing them to the culture of the organization and, and what does it take to thrive and be successful in that organization. It's making connections for them to the strategy so that they understand how their day-to-day -day connects to the overall success of the organization. It's getting them networked with other individuals so that they know, you know who's influencing the work that they do and how do their outputs influence someone else's. Um, and it's the career support that needs to happen and the learning that needs to happen. And, and it's very obvious to folks when you just join an organization, you need all that. But when you move on to your next role, you get promoted. Well, there's new responsibilities. There's different expectations. There's new people that you need to engage with. So all of those things, again, really come into play. So what we're seeing is the most successful organizations are thinking about onboarding as something that happens at every transition point. Um, and to take it into what we just experienced with COVID, well, we almost needed to onboard people into remote work. Okay, so yeah. what's different about our expectations now? Do we need to reestablish some working norms now that you're working from home? The provisioning pieces were even required because now maybe people had desktops or workstations at home, at the office, well, now we needed to get them technology, get them provisioned so they could be up and running at home. Um, maybe their stakeholder network is going to be different now. So it's important to introduce them to those folks. Maybe your employee resource groups actually even become more important because you need that additional network of support um, outside of your day-to-day -day workflow. Um, and when we return to work um, or those that do return to the office, you know, we'll need to rethink that again, too. Who are they going to engage with? What's different in terms of their requirements? Um, and so it, it really can happen every step along the way. Um, even when someone leaves an organization, well, let's think about doing that in a strategic way. You know, how do we recapture the um, equipment that they might have? Let's take care of knowledge transfer and then let's set them up for success when they are alumni that they might refer other people back to the organization. Let's connect them with a network that keeps them in um, aware of what's going on in terms of our strategy that maybe they become a future customer or boomerang back again themselves. You know, each one of those transition points along the employee life cycle is an opportunity to onboard someone into that role and with that kind of care and attention, they're going to be more successful in the role. They're going to be more engaged and that's beneficial to them and, of course, the organization as well. Yeah, every time it reinforces the the positive nature of that employer culture too, right? Mm -hmm. And so you, it, you, you th those folks, you know, ultimately when and if they leave the organization, um, 
the, and and the reality is is that they will, especially in some industries. It's just you know, well, yeah. but they will they will have a fond memory of the organization as opposed to just sort of a a, a neutral one or yeah, or, that's you know, right. a, in a neutral even a neutral neutral one is even you know almost as bad as a as a bad one, right? Because there's no real goodwill there. It's just you know no bad bad feelings but just nothing sort of yeah. so so, so i think, think that it, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> sorry um but there's one other thing that this reminds me of that was super interesting for the last call and it fits into this because yeah what would what would be a better term for onboarding and, and we may or may not um you know happen upon it in the next couple of minutes but but, but it also it also fits into employee experience right mm-hmm. what's a better term because employee experience i think is better I think we can agree. You and I, I think we agree, and I think others will too. This better term than talent management. Talent management was better than human capital management, which was better than HR, right? Um, uh, in terms of right, in terms of really capturing the true essence of what we're trying to do um, in this profession. But, but what do you think? Yeah, what are some other terms that might be used in place of employee experience or 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 even onboarding? Pick one or the other. Yeah, I mean, I do, as, as you just uh, said, Brent, the, the experience piece, I think, is super important and, and is a word that I think better encompasses what we're talking about here, because to me, the experience will include the process piece of it. The experience also includes the technology that helps deliver and influence aspects of how you experience it. And it's, um, you know, the onboarding piece just always seems to many times be relegated to just be that administrative pieces and the provisioning pieces and maybe orientation. But orientation is really just a moment in time, right? You can get oriented to your role and expectations, but then then you're living it and and experiencing and growing and developing from there. Um, Gosh, I don't know. We're going to have to. It's a tough one, right? It's a tough one, but I but I do like employee experience a whole lot better and thinking about how to enable that experience um or um this that experience activate i like i like activate you know employee activation i like that term a lot Mm -hmm. and then even thinking maybe it's not employee it's talent or something else more broad right we Mm -hmm. have so many different types of workers these days contingent workers and um, folks that are on flex schedules i think we do want to be even more inclusive than just employee yeah yeah activation is is a good one because it, it really gets to the to the really gets to the nut of it you know what what is what is that that the organization and the talent both need to be successful in the next the next thing yeah that's that's super interesting thank you so much um i mean this has just been a fantastic conversation um i think we did recapture the magic absolutely <laughs> and uh and um and and i just want to thank you lilith for uh, taking the time to uh, join us for hr tech chat Well, thanks, Brent. I enjoyed it a lot. Hope to uh, come back again sometime soon. Absolutely. We'd love to have you.